hello. This is Uncle Tickles, and you are listening to New Dad. Today is our long-awaited second mailbag episode where I take questions from you, the listener, and uh, you, the listener, can do me a huge solid by rating and reviewing New Dad wherever it is you may listen or watch. It does make an enormous difference. And I'll tell you what, there was an an enormous difference between Mailbag 1 and Mailbag 2, largely in part because for Mailbag 1, I had to pound down some doors and and, uh, really enlist the help of some friends to round out the questions for that Mailbag. And Mailbag 2 happened much more organically. Uh, A lot of the questions we received were from people I either didn't know or didn't know were listening to the podcast. So um, thank you to Megan in Milwaukee, Pete in Wisconsin, who I do hope is Jesus Pete. Uh, Hoping to have, if it is Jesus Pete, we're hoping to have you on the show for an episode. I'm just trying to cook up the right one. And hopefully that name is enticing enough for you to want to tune in for that episode. Uh, William in New Jersey, Jeff Graham and Ashley from Illinois, and Patrick in Indianapolis. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, those sort of things make the whole experience uh, worthwhile and and much more gratifying. I do enjoy this, but you know, part of the reason I'm doing this is uh, I guess I I want this to kind of snowball and grow into something bigger than just being listened to by my uh, close family and friends. So uh, you know, these things really help the momentum of that. Uh, one other thing we want to talk about before we jump into the questions. Uh, it's a 100-mile bike ride from Chicago to Lake Geneva, which is being put together to raise awareness and funds to fight social injustice. 100% of the proceeds go directly to the Color of Change organization. Uh, for details regarding the ride or, or becoming a sponsor, please contact New Dad, uh, or you can reach out directly to the race organizer on Instagram. Um, we'll show his contact info if you're watching on YouTube. Um, otherwise, uh, his uh, his Instagram name is at Bees Knees Thirteen. That's B E E Z K N E E Z Thirteen One Three. Definitely a cause that New Dad supports. So um, let's get to these questions. Megan from Milwaukee asks, "You have said in past episodes you had a hard childhood. Can you elaborate and talk more about how you think that has shaped you as a dad?" Yeah, and and I do want to say that, and it. And hopefully I've mentioned this before. Um, I, I fully am aware that as hard as my childhood may have been, that it it's much more easy than a lot of people's. And, you know, and yeah, and, and it's harder than some. Um, and, and where I grew up, it was probably harder than most of my friends. But that doesn't mean it was harder than the people, you know, a lot of kids that were in my town. Um, I went to a very small school. Um, there are two other public schools that we didn't go to or that, you know, had much bigger classes. And I'm sure had I gone to one of those, then I probably would have found much more, uh, you know, company as far as, you know, my parents' economic class and uh, people who I could relate to on that level. So um, I, I think that's important to mention, uh, you know, and it's you know, my, my tough childhood, um, you know, that was a product of having a, a mom who dealt with substance abuse and a dad with an explosive temper and some of the things that come with that. 
I'll, I'll leave that at that. But um, how it shaped me? Well, you know, I've, I've wanted my children, my sons, uh, to, to always see me as, uh, you know, someone that they can come to. And, um, and I guess, you know, the absence of fear, you know, I, I, I want them to love and respect me. I want them to look at me as the type of person that they would want to be when they grow up. Um, you know, all those things I, you know, and, and I'm not saying my parents didn't want that. I think those are things every parent wants when, you know, when they start off, um, you know, with kids, but I think my parents had me super young and when you're super young and you're just treading water, um, you know, to, to just survive and a lot of that stuff goes out the window and you go into survival mode. And, um, I think they were doing the best they could, but, um, I would say one of the biggest things that probably led me to do is wait to have kids, you know, me and Lita waited, um, you know, much later in life than my parents did. We, they were 22 and they had me. And when Shep was born, I was 36 at the youngest, 30, probably closer to 37. So 36, 37. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's probably the biggest thing it, sh it shaped. And, you know, and I think our kids are gonna probably, I think that'll be advantageous to, to both of our kids versus what, you know, the situation we were thrust into as kids. Um, and, you know, it was just, it was just tough then, you know, and I, I don't know any other way to say it, but, um, you know, there was a, a, a while there before my mom, you know, I think probably from first grade to third grade where, you know, we were latchkey kids where I was kind of in charge of, uh, a brother and sister who were younger than me and I wasn't much older than them. And it was, uh, you know, it was just kind of a, a crazy time because of that, me and my siblings have been super close. And I want my sons to be super close and, you know, any future kids that we have, I want them to have the relationship I have with my siblings. So, um, you know, as a dad, I, I see that. Um, I think another thing that you know, I've, we didn't have a lot and I grew up wanting a lot and uh, seeing people around me do things like vacations. And, you know, when I say I wanted a lot, I don't think I was wanting these crazy extravagant gifts, but it was just um, these other experiences is what it was. It was these experiences, kid, you know, being able to go to great America or, you know, these other places that, um, we just weren't able to go to. And I want my kids to have that, um, balancing that with like not spoiling them. That's my challenge. You know, that's the cross I'm going to have to bear. And I guess that's, uh, if that's one of the crosses you're bearing, um, you know, it's a pretty light cross to bear. So, um, I hope that answers the question and I hope I didn't dodge the, elaborating too much um, with some of that. Uh, also, I, I do want to tiptoe because my hope is to have my mom and dad on the show as guests at some point, and I want to get into it, and I want, you know, I want them to be comfortable with how much we share. Um, you know, I'm sure they're already wishing I would have shared less than I have um, this season. So um, thank you, Megan, for that question. Sam from Chicago asked, when is Papa Pappas coming on the show? Uh, you know, I kind of Alluded to the fact that I, you know, I definitely want to have them on. This uh, shelter-in-place quarantine has definitely made me do some scrambling, and uh, you know, I had an idea of what this first season was going to look like, and it was uh, not always the clearest idea, but it, you know, I had a, a pretty 
good outline and a lot of that was turned upside down um, because I couldn't use the studio um, or, you know, the studio, the office as a studio and have guests come in. So, um, and, you know, someone like Papa Pappas uh, is not going to be the best remote guest just mainly because of technology um, being an issue and also his lack thereof, um, you know. So um, I, he's one I definitely want to have in-house and um, I can't promise that's going to happen, but I will say that I I do expect the last episode of the first season to shoot on Father's Day. Um, so not making promises, he he may be part of that episode, but um, you know, it could be it could be a a thing that could happen. So um, fingers crossed, and we'll see. You know, there's so much going on right now that I uh, I can't promise that, but I really I really would hate to end this first season without him on so uh sam in chicago let's pray to sweet baby zeus that he is um so we have two questions that kind of go hand in hand in the way i want to answer them um laura in ohio asked will we see your wife lead on the show again and jennifer in texas asked how did you and your wife meet um so yes resounding yes to lita being back on the show 100% she'll be on the last episode of the season, uh, or at least the last progress report episode, trying to figure out how we want to um, do all that on that last episode, looking like we're going to record on Father's Day. So um, only a few weeks away. Um, how did we meet? So I don't really want to answer that totally. And, and there's two reasons. And, and I'm going to get to both of them right now. And one of them is a, a, a potential guest we may have who is instrumental in, uh, in kind of our meetup story. Well, she's definitely instrumental in our meeting um, story. And I want to maybe allow him to tell part of it. Um, the other is I'm having a new series, and it's going to be part of a, a push to get you guys a little bit more content here in the month of June. I felt like I slacked a little bit in May and, and really want to end season one with a bang and also uh, with the eye that maybe – this series can keep everyone, you know, locked in on, on New Dad while we do some new things and, uh, and and remodel a little bit for season two. And that is story time with Uncle Tickles. Um, perhaps one of these stories or perhaps the meeting story will be something Lita would want to come on and tell. So um, there's two different opportunities where the story will be told. I promise if for some reason, neither of those things come to fruition. We'll tell the story at the last uh, on the last episode of that last progress report episode. However, we decide to do that could be in the form of a live stream. So uh, hold on to your butts uh, for that announcement. But um, yeah, I, I'm sorry I don't want to get too much. I will say that we did, I, and I don't think this is spoiling anything. Maybe more so a teaser. We did meet at a, a wonderful little bar and grill in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, called Papa Cory's, um, very near and dear to my heart. Um, and there was a 10-year gap where just basically radio silence. Um, so yeah, I I won't say the rest, but that is uh, that is a true story. And I don't know. Okay, so this next question, Patrick, and I think this is Patrick. Uh, from, he's in the New Dad Facebook group, and he's also someone I know from a, a few other Facebook groups. 
Um, I don't know if I mentioned it on the show here or if I just mentioned it somewhere else, but it says, tell us more about the movie club you are doing. Um, so I am doing a movie club with, uh, you know, the, the my best friends from high school that I've mentioned a few times now, Suds, Flynn, and Jenrick. Uh, Flynn and Jenrick, you guys have seen on a couple episodes. I don't know how it necessarily started. Uh, I think it's, you know, we were all fans of the podcast Rewatchables, and we would uh, talk about episodes as they would come up in our chat thread. And at some point, someone was like, you know, we should do something like this just for fun. Just pick a movie, we all watch it, and we all... Uh, we can all talk about it. Each uh, member of the group would come to a nominating session with two actors. We would put them on the wheel that's right over my, my shoulder here, and they would spin the wheel, and uh, you know, with all of us putting the two actors in, it's totally full, so you can see if you have eagle eyes uh, and can read my 10 <laughs> martini handwriting. That's uh, Danny DeVito, John Candy, DDL, who's uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, and then, oh, Schwartzman for uh, Jason Schwartzman. So um, so we spin the wheel, and then you are assigned an actor based on who the wheel lands on. It's, it's, it's been a ton of fun, and uh, you know, I, I hope it's something we keep going after all the lockdowns. And because you know, it's, it's cool to text your buddies, but um, to be able to get on that, and uh, you know, we all are kind of spread out across the U.S., and uh, it is for an hour like we get to hang out. And... Um, I'm glad you asked because I hope it inspires, you know, other groups to do similar stuff. It's a, it's been a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, thank you for asking about that, Patrick. Um, William from New Jersey, uh, who I think is the creator of the Food Geeks uh, Facebook group. Um, I've seen you post a lot recently in the Facebook group Food Geeks. What would be your idea of the perfect meal? This is a excellent question. I love food. I think about it a lot. Um, first things first, my perfect meal. Uh, this might shock some people, you know, because New Dad loves the kiddos, but uh, the, new, the perfect meal does not involve kids. So kids are out, and I'm not eating kids. So they're not involved in any form or fashion in my perfect meal. Um and I went back and forth with this a little bit as far as a perfect meal versus my last meal. I'm going to go with the way you worded it and said perfect meal because um, my last meal would essentially be an all-you-can-eat buffet of just uh, a bunch of uh, really obvious shit like gyros and Chinese food and pasta and Diet Coke. Um, so uh, my perfect meal, uh, I you know, my perfect meal starts with uh, a perfect group or perfect uh, meal partners um, and as I love Lita but I always feel like the best dynamic for that sort of thing involves more than one person um, so I don't know what the perfect number is but for this I'm gonna say there's eight people including myself and my wife so uh, six other people uh, I'm not gonna go as far as to try to pick the six perfect dinner guests but um, so for me, it, you know, you have to have, I think, multiple starters. So, um, you know, I, I want to do this justice. So for my starters, uh, I, I want to have a soup. 
Um, give me a potato and leek soup. And um, for my appetizer, give me some sort of, actually give me shrimp cocktail. Um, and give me that St. Elmo's cocktail sauce. So that's going to be my starters. And then I'm going to go with, uh, yeah, we're going to go with some rack of lamb, uh, some whipped potatoes, a pan sauce over the potatoes in the rack, and then um, some Brussels sprouts on the side with a salad as, as well. I, I, I need a salad. And then my, uh, a dessert, I think we're going to go with, uh, we're going to go with, I mean, uh, how do you go wrong with cherry pie and ice cream? Someone probably going to be very upset that there's no chocolate in that dessert. Someone might be my wife, but uh, this is my perfect meal. So we're going to go with that. Uh, and that perfect meal does include wine pairings with everything. So um, I probably wouldn't be the best person to speak with, uh, speak to the wine pairings. Uh, I would imagine there'd be some sort of whites uh, to go with the soup and the shrimp, uh, a full-bodied red um, to go with the, the rack of lamb, and, uh, and then a whole bunch of bourbon afterwards. Uh, that would be my perfect meal. So thank you, William, for that. Now we have Pete Wisconsin asking, are you okay with letting a computer TV screen be a babysitter, spending a lot of time in front of one so mom and dad can get things done? And will you let the boys play football? Um, there's a third question is, that he submitted as well. Will you bribe them with money to do what you want? <laughs> Let's start with that one. Um, because bribe is such an ugly word. Um, and I think in the world, uh, there's a lot of places where you get paid to do what other people want. And they don't call it a bribe, they call it a paycheck. So that's how I would frame it. You know, it's... Um, let's prepare you for the real world and you have a job and your job earns you a salary. Uh, as long as you're doing your job up to, you know, everyone's expectations, you get that salary. Um, and if you start to slack, we'll have to talk. And then, you know, maybe after a while we'll have to renegotiate your salary or, or perhaps you're fired and, uh, and then you're looking for work again. So um, yeah, I mean, I absolutely think that that's, I don't think that that's bad. Now, if you're asking me if I will pay the kid 20 bucks um, to keep quiet so he doesn't tell his mom that we went to McDonald's for lunch, I'm also not above that. Um, so uh, even though it is an ugly word, it's an ugly word that I'm uh, not prepared to um, freely uh, give away from my arsenal. Now, uh, as for will I let the boys play football, yeah, I do. I will. Um, I'm saying that as someone who's starting at 38 years old to truly feel the um, the ramifications of playing football um, for as long as I did, and you know, it my my body aches, my neck is horrible, my lower back, uh, my shoulders, it's uh, it's brutal. But still, with that being said, it was uh, you know, there's. There's very little I've done with the exception of being a dad and, and meeting my wife that's ever compared. And in some ways, you know, um, football can never compare to being a dad or, or you know, to, to being in love, you know, with uh, someone that you mutually respect and, you know, is your best friend. But um, there's other ways that those two things could never, 
you know, there's, there's itches that those two things, you know, like the, the physicality of it, the camaraderie you can find in a family. Right. And that's really part of it, but the thrill of the physicality of it, um, that's really hard to find. And I'm probably, you know, uh, you go out and do mixed martial arts or boxing or something like that. And sure, you could definitely make the argument that, that you can find those things, but um, those are both individual sports. So the, the mix of the thrill, the physicality with a team sport, um, I think that's what's hard to match. And then you combine that with the fact that, um, you know, for those grade school and high school years, it, you know, those are kids that I grew up with. These are my best friends. These are kids, guys that I'm still friends with that have been on the podcast. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I would certainly support that. And I would hope that by the time they're playing football and the conversations we're having now, that you, if there is still football, then they found a way to make it significantly safer. Um, so yeah, I would certainly let it. And I also think that um, to a large degree in those early ages, I mean, those kids, you watch those games, they're almost comical. Because there's there's not hitting happening that's going to cause the sort of damage that, that you're fearing. I don't think that really starts to take place. Maybe, you know, you might have a couple kids at the 7th and 8th grade level who are doing it um, on a consistent basis, but then you get into high school and that's when you have to consider it. So, yes, I would do that. And then um, so I'm, I'm working these answers back in the reverse order. Um, are you okay with letting a computer and TV screen be a babysitter? Um, so we had a whole episode on screen time. And I am certainly on the more lenient side of this. Um, my point is, I think deep down inside, as a parent, you kind of have an idea, right? You know, in your gut, you know if it's too much or if it's too not, or if it's too much or if it's not too much. And there'll be days that are, are more than others. And, you know, I, I'll hit a point, I'm like, that's too much. You know, like, let's cut it off. Let's turn everything off. Let's either listen to music or let's play. Let's go outside. Um, some other activity outside of, of watching a, a screen. So, um, you know, I, I like to think if you're listening to a parenting podcast, you, you're probably ahead of most in the common sense department with kids. Um, but at the same time, you know, that's a, a, probably a, a pretty shitty answer, but I would lean on that and, and just know that, especially in a time like this where parents are working at home, uh, you know, daycares are opening in a lot of places, but perhaps you live somewhere where they're not, um, or you've been working from home for the last two or three months while they haven't been, uh, you know, that's a hundred percent acceptable, you know, understandable and acceptable. And you shouldn't beat yourself up over that. These are weird, strange, you know, outlying times. And, you know, I don't think we should be judging ourselves by, you know, how we've been trying to get by during them. Um, so I hope that helps people. Jeff from Illinois asks, do you have any tips for living on a third floor apartment and having a kid? And also, how do you travel out of the country with a baby? Um, I actually think that the answer to both of these questions, luckily, uh, is pretty similar, and that's booze. So you're going to want to get pretty uh, lubricated for for life uh, with uh, on the third floor with a kid and traveling with a baby. So so make sure you got uh, a, a nice stiff drink or, you know, if, if you prefer to get high, then you're going to want to get high. Um, the second thing, again, like these, it's true for both cases. 
uh, you're going to want to get in good with your neighbors. So the people in front of you on that plane and the people below you on that house, uh, you might want to buy them some booze yourself just preemptively before any of the, the ruckus happens. Um, so, you know, if it's too late, if you already are on that third floor and your neighbors already hate you, then you might as well just say fuck it and move. Just don't even worry for the le- about the lease running out Pack your shit and just get out now. So, Ashley from Illinois. What is the most terrifying thing about being a dad? What moments have had you thinking, shit, did I just mess up my kid? Oh, another question. Do you believe in happy wife, happy life? As for the most terrifying thing about being a dad, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head when you asked the question, uh, shit, did I just mess up my kid? And that's really... You know, what every parent's trying to avoid is messing up their kids. So there's a lot of different ways you can do that, and that's pretty terrifying. And, uh, you know, it starts with naming your kid. Uh, We talk about the weight of naming your kid uh, in one of our previous episodes uh, for baby names, where we chose a name for our second son using the uh, wheel right off my shoulder that we use for our movie night. And uh, we had our guests, Rory Berg and Peter Bell, for that, which was a very excellent episode with a hilarious game at the end. I think if you haven't caught that one, you should go back and watch it. And and that's a good one to watch on YouTube for the game specifically. Um, So for me personally, like moments that I thought, have I thought, like, shit, did I just mess up my kid? You know, Shep's only two. But there have been a couple. The very first one I remember, and I I put it somewhere on social media, but uh, this is when he was still pretty immobile. I think he was in one of those baby Bjorn chairs, and I was getting ready for work, trying to get out the door, get him to daycare. Uh, We had music going, and uh, he was being real fussy. And I do remember I was changing. He was fussing. I was trying to dance, trying to make him laugh. And halfway through that whole thing, I kind of realized that I was doing a striptease for my son. And there was this moment where I stopped and I was like, fuck, did I, am I fucking him up right now? Is this weird? Um, so that was the first moment. Uh, moment number two I talked about on the episode with Kate Flynn, um, where we talk about the art that, that's getting us through the quarantine. And that was also weirdly... Uh, you know, kind of a similar moment with my son, Chef, where we were in the tub, he was fixated on, on my junk. And in a, I, I, the, at the time, I thought the best move was to tuck it. And he became super interested and curious as to where it had went. And I think that actually uh, made things worse. And so when I would see him, he would, he was, you know, looking for it, he wanted me to show it to him. And it was just, I wondered for a short period if, if I had fucked him up, but that's just typical kid's curiosity. So, you, you know, those are the moments, but I'm sure, you know, the way we fuck up our kids is much more subtle and probably over a much more gradual period of time. It's rare that it's just a one real shocking, jarring moment that did it. So um, I wouldn't worry too much about that. Um, as for happy wife, happy life, yeah, I mean if we stop and are really honest about life and we look at these situations where it's a parent, a spouse, a roommate, a boss, um, these people who you are interacting with for long periods of time, 
very close quarters. Many times you're having to collaborate, many times perhaps taking orders from, from these individuals. Um, you know, it, it, always, it, it's way better when that person's happy, right? So, you know, I think when I hear someone ask this, well, what I'm really hearing in that question is, you know, do you think you should compromise everything just to make a person happy? And, and to that, I would say no. Uh, I, I will say happy wife, happy life. If your wife or husband or whoever uh, you know you choose to to connect yourself to uh, is treating you with respect and loves is, is returning your love, um, yeah, then absolutely, and, and they're making every good faith effort to be a good partner to you. Absolutely, happy wife, happy life. Um, so I hope that helps, Ashley. Chris from Wisconsin, uh, this is a pretty lengthy question. I won't read the whole thing, uh, but it says, I, I remember a while back you told me about the Neuralink. Uh, it's an implantable brain machine interface uh, to enhance cognition that Elon Musk is working with. And he goes on to talk quite a bit about some of the um, pitfalls, the potential pitfalls of this, um, as well as advantages. And then goes on to ask if the product is available in 10 years, will the Will uh, will Pappas be getting the neuro brain link implants? Fuck yes. I mean, and I just if you've seen the movie Gattaca, then I think you kind of see the writing on the wall where this is going. Um, he also asked that I cut the umbilical cords. This is another thing we talked about in the Jono and Tommy uh, Doherty episode that we most recently released. Um, no, I didn't. That's totally something that i'm sure a lot of dudes have done and i know a lot of people do but i um i don't do well with that sort of thing so i did not do it chris has one more question uh what is your personal favorite costume that you yourself wore and what is one you saw on someone else and thought fuck i wish i would have thought of that this is another one where i'll answer the last part first so as far as seeing something that i thought Fuck, I wish I thought of that. I don't know that I've ever seen an outfit someone's wearing and, and thought that. Um, I can think of an outfit that I wasn't able to put together that I had in my mind that I've, it, it kind of eats at me that I never made. I was never able to make it work. Um, so, you know, there's something, you know, there's, there's more than one, but um, one that immediately jumps to mind. And that's probably fits this. Um, and this isn't an outfit, but uh, we call them Lollapalooza Lighthouses. I'm sure there's uh, another name for them. But the, you know, uh, we went to a Lollapalooza one year and the reason we call them Lala Lighthouses is on a huge flagpole, someone had this, uh, just one of the owls that people use to scare away rodents. And it was great because it was a, a point of reference. So if you were standing near that group, uh, you could always tell your friends, I'm right by the giant owl in the sky. You could text that. They could find you. We realized the brilliancy in this. And, they, and the people we were with probably weren't the originators of this. I've seen them, you know, festivals everywhere. So some, somewhere they, they got popular. And so, uh, you know, that, that year we made, I believe, a broomstick with a bunch of dollar store baby heads on it. And that became our little owl lighthouse that didn't go very far. Um, so, you know, I, I, I wish I was the originator of that idea. It's a really brilliant idea. Um, and it kind of works into your question about my favorite outfit because uh, the next year we decided to, 
to really upgrade our Lala Lighthouse game. So we made a uh, a giant sign that said uh, it had uh, Amanda Bynes painted on it in like a saint, kind of like one of those uh, Latin candles that you would see, the, the saint candles. So it was in that kind of um, vein. And uh, the sign said, get rich or Bynes trying. And with that outfit, I wore nude leggings and an oversized gray t-shirt that had the sleeves cut off of it. And, uh, and that outfit and sign got a lot of recognition that year. We got picked up by a bunch of different websites, MTV, a bar stool, um, Buzzworthy, or maybe Huffington Post. E either way, it was, uh, it was, it was popular with the people, uh, with the press. Um, but my favorite part about that outfit, uh, wasn't the recognition it got. But it was later, uh, fast forward to about maybe 7 or 8 p.m. It was starting to get a little dark. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, some dude comes and shoves me. And he's fucking hammered. And all he's able to get out a few times before we're separated is fucking, what the fuck are you doing? Put your pants on. And he gets pulled away. A couple people from his group had stepped over and they're immediately apologetic and they're, they're apologizing over and over. Uh, the guy had legitimately thought that I was just sitting there with no pants, which, you know, in, we could stop and debate whether or not I should have been shoved if that was really the case. You know, if I'm, if I just wore a long t-shirt that was, wasn't allowing anything to be seen by anybody, you know, then, um, you know, I don't necessarily know if physical violence was, was justified anyway, but you know, it was so, it was such a well done combination, just the idea, because that was obviously what I was going for. I wanted to look like I was just wearing a long t-shirt and no pants. And it was achieved so well that someone tried to fight me over it. So that was, uh, that will go down as one of my favorites. And um, I'm sure I'm forgetting just so many. And if there are listeners in there that uh, are, are recognizing one or two that, that I've forgotten, uh, be sure to to hit me either, you know, at, at the Gmail, newdadpod at gmail.com or uh, in our Facebook group. So, um, Chris, thanks for those questions. One last question, and this is a doozy. So, John from Singapore asks, what's your most embarrassing story growing up that still sticks with you? Uh, that question in and of itself is nothing out of the ordinary, but John goes on. Now, John couldn't just stop at a question. For example, my mom catching me jerking off because in the 90s, we had one computer in the hallway area. Or my brother spying and secretly recording me jerking off with his VHS camcorder. Well, John, I don't have anything that embarrassing. Uh, I, the, the first story that came to mind and I, and I've thought, I thought about this for a while, trying to think if there was anything, um, worse than this, uh, two stories jumped to mind. First story is, uh, I, I had to be maybe fourth grade, fifth grade. And, uh, my, my parents had bought a dog or got a dog when I was born and that dog had lived with me my entire life. And had passed away um, around third or fourth grade. And uh, 
I remember sitting around our kitchen table after the dog had passed away, and I can't remember how long, but it, it wasn't that long after the dog had passed away. And uh, my brother and my sister start making fun of me and the dog, and uh, and I got so worked up that I had uh, I had thrown up at the dinner at the dinner table. And then they started laughing. I mean, they thought it was the funniest thing because I was just, I mean, I was mad. I was, it was just so many, I was so overcome with emotion. Um, and so I, I went to storm out of the room and on my way to storm out of the room, I shat my pants because it wasn't as if I was sitting there before they started making fun of them and I had this feeling of diarrhea or impending poo. It was just you know, the emotions opened up the floodgates and literally started the floodgates were opening on both ends. Um, so that one, it, because I was wearing gray sweatpants and it was just one of those things where it immediately was very apparent to both of them that I'd shat my pants. Um, so that one's super embarrassing. The other one that sticks with me, and this one's maybe like more traumatizing than embarrassing, but uh, I, I was in first grade. Maybe in the first two weeks, uh, the teacher had a knock on the on the door and it was another teacher and she stepped outside to to take that conversation well she didn't know that i had been holding in a piss for a very long time and was waiting for her to finish up before i could ask you know if i could be excused to go to the washroom well now that she leaves now i really have to go and i don't have the opportunity to ask her and i was too timid to go interrupt her and ask her if i could um, if I could use the washroom. So I sat there and I remember getting to the point where my leg was furiously shaking under my desk and I'm holding, trying desperately not to go and, you know, hoping, you know, any second she's going to come back and she doesn't. And eventually I pissed my pants and I, and there was an enormous puddle under my desk and she came back and, you know, to her credit, I remember what stood, what stuck with me was the genuine feeling of just how horrible she felt. Um, which honestly did make it a little bit better, but that, you know, and what's crazy is I don't remember, you know, I don't know if she covered up for me or, you know, I don't remember it being like a big, all of a sudden everyone's pointing and everyone's laughing. Um, but man, that, I mean, that was one that probably didn't do me any favors. And, uh, and really I was a weird kid for, or one of the weird kids, you know, for another three or four years, really, uh, at least. Yeah, thanks for sharing your experience there, uh, John from Singapore. And, uh, and <laughs> you know, it's a doozy. Thank you, John. That wraps up the questions we have from our fans. And uh, I think that we will have uh, another episode here for you. I'm trying to set up a few different recordings. And as I said, we've already recorded a story time. So uh, whether it be a story time or a new episode, hoping to get one out to you um, this weekend. So stay tuned for that. Uncle Tickles loves you. I appreciate everyone listening. Don't forget to rate and review, as I said at the top of the show. It really helps out a lot. And we will talk to you next week.